we are recording. Welcome back. This is where you talk. Oh, sorry, Jace. I didn't realize you were there. Um, just been busy painting up this model for the uh, the TCG painting competition. Um, have you heard of TCG at all? Who, who is this TCG? Please tell me. Oh, thoughtless Casual Gaming. They're a podcast. They're a couple of guys based out of Geelong. Um, and pretty much what they do is they just play some games pretty badly and then talk about them. But, I mean, it's a pretty shitty podcast, to be quite honest. I don't really enjoy any of the banter that goes on. or the Like, the voices just irritate the hell out of me. But they've got a painting competition. And, you know, while I don't have to listen to them, I can still paint for it. So getting into that. You said painting competition. I'm not not real competitive. Like I don't I don't want to be judged on my painting. Well, I don't think they're judging on any sort of you know this is the best one type thing, which is great because I'm not the best one. But uh, just I think it's more points for trying. I think really what they are is is this podcast seems to be um, guys that really can't commit to a, an actual competition, but just wanted to do it anyway i don't know i don't know i mean it's just an excuse so it's like the world's less least competitive competition for hobby pretty much all right i think you've nailed it yeah done look um anyway (laughs) if you're you are listening to tcg just in case you got confused there um we're going to talk some stuff and then I think we'll get back into a little bit more conversation about the painting competition that we got running. It's uh, but, likely going to be a running theme for a, for a little bit at least. Yeah, look, we've got a couple more weeks left in it, so uh, I'm sure we can beat those jokes stupid until uh, until the end of it. Um, but let's talk some hobby. Let's. Right. Um, so what hobby have you been doing? Oh, well, I've been doing a little bit. I mean, I've been doing some geeky stuff too. So I did, I finally finished Battlestar. So I think last time we chatted about this, I had finished off the series, but I still had two sort of, you know, telemovie type things to watch. So I finished them up. You actually had to pay attention ones. Yeah, look, and I did pay attention, and the first one that I watched, which was called The Plan, which is basically, you know, events of the series but told from the point of view of the Cylons. And I paid attention, and then by the end of by the end of it, I was pretty sure that I shouldn't have paid attention. It just wasn't that. <laughs> it wasn't as high quality as the series was. But that's fine. And then the second one was like a web series that they did a couple of years later, which was never meant to be as good um, as the series, and it succeeded on that part. But, you know, both, I mean, I enjoyed watching them by all means, but they weren't the series. You've completed it? There is points there, right? That's points there. I mean, you know, like I've said before, I was watching this for like the, the umpteenth time and I was using it as a background noise while I painted or hobbied or whatever. Um, because I'd seen it that many times, I could afford to do that and still pay attention. And it, it's been that long since I've seen it that there were, 
huge plot points that I had completely forgotten about, which was great. Um, but it is done. Now I need to find something else to, to watch as I paint for the TCG painting competition. Have you heard about that, Chase? No. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to do that again. Um, so I've moved on from Battlestar. I have been watching Lovecraft Country as well with the misses. Have you heard of that one? I don't know. It's a maybe. new one. There's about solid, maybe. It's about five or six episodes so far. And it's basically being told from like the nineteen I wanna say twenties. I don't know, early night uh, yeah. Nineteen hundreds. Um it's a you know, back in America when racism was very prevalent and you know you no blacks yeah. allowed well more so like <laughs> all right yeah but um you know you throw into the mix huge cthulhu type monsters and like the last episode i watched which was episode three was like pretty much like a ghost story haunted house type thing um it's it's strange but i'm enjoying it all right so yeah it's something something new something um different look and i admit i have not got into anywhere near the amount of sort of lovecraftian stuff as i probably should have um it's one of those ones that keeps coming up and i keep going yeah i'll get to that one day um and it just hasn't happened yeah. but <laughs> it's Oh, it's, it's really interesting. Like there's, there's aspects of it. And like, for example, there's a scene in the first episode where they get caught in a white community. And like the main characters are these three black people and they get caught in this white community and the, by the sheriff and the sheriff says, you're not welcome here. Um, but I'm going to be lenient. You know, if you can get, out of this country, a country, uh, country, county by sunset. I'm not going to put you in jail. So, but of course the sun's going down. And so there's this, this kind of car chase that goes on where they're trying to drive and get out of the county. The sheriff is right behind them. And it's like a 20 mile per hour speed limit. So they can't go over 20 miles per hour or they're going to get busted for speeding. And that's going to definitely keep them after sunset. It's like, it's, oh, it's really clever aspects like that. So, um, and then yeah, like these weird Cthulhu monsters and ghosts and stuff. I can't quite work out what the series is trying to do apart from the obvious racism, um, issues but like it seems to jump from one sort of style to the next kind of like how i don't know if you ever watch american horror story but each season of that was something different this seems to be that style but each episode is different but there's yeah there's there's underlying plot points which are going through and i need to get a couple more episodes in before i really understand exactly how it's all tying together but that's that's been what I've been watching with the wife. Because so. the other one that has, I think they've just done a new series or series or something either way. Um, did you ever watch Penny Dreadful? 
I think I tried. I think I got through the first episode and it just didn't grab me. So I didn't. Okay, well, you, watched, keep going. you watched it wrong. You watched it wrong, is the moral of the story there. Pretty anyway, much. Um, it was. So, because that was, again, that real Victorian horror kind of theme. And they rolled in a whole lot of those kind of classic horror characters in it. Mm-hmm. But they've just done a third season now, I think. But they've literally gone the whole lot. Just fast forward now. We're talking sort of. Um, they've gone to the sort of South American themes. They've just moved the entire setting where everyone is, the timeline, the characters, and they go, now we're dealing with um, sort of, you know, South American horror um, characters and themes and stuff like this. And I'm just like, I was not ready for that. Where did Frankenstein (laughs) Um, Sometimes it can be so jarring when they do that and sometimes it works so well. So... Anyway, I'll keep going with this. I'll um, I'll see how it goes, but really enjoying it. Although the um, main character's accent for me is a little bit hard to understand it sometimes. Is that because you're racist? No, no. It's just because I'm not used to that dialect. (laughs) Different. They talk funny. Anyway. I'll I'll stop heckling. I'll stop heckling now. Please, please. Um, Apart from that, I have been playing a little bit of the. There's been a couple of Xbox games I've been delving into. So, um, recently, a couple of weeks ago, they did one of the Xbox does weekends where you've got a couple of games usually that you can play for free on the weekend. See if you like it. And a couple of weekends ago, it was Chaos Bane, which is a Warhammer fantasy Diablo-type game. Um, so I jumped into that for the weekend, played quite a bit of it, and quite enjoyed it because I've done a lot of time on the Inquisitor game, which is pretty much the same thing but for 40K. Um, so after the weekend, of course, I was like, oh, kind of like this. And then they had like a 60% off sale. So the game was about 30 bucks. I'm like, okay, I'll just buy it. I've been playing a bit of that. And Game Pass as well released Vermintide 2 um, as part of their Game Pass games. So I was able to download that and start playing that. So I've been getting a bit of Warhammer um, in on the Xbox, which has been fun. Um, I have done a little bit of shopping as well. Not too much, but a little bit. Um, I did pick up Arena Mortis for the new Underworlds expansion, and I did pick up the Orc Warband, the new one, which I think I told you the other day has now got me 100% up to date with Underworlds. Um, (laughs) Arena Mortis is the multiplayer there. Correct. It's the three to six players um, where you're just taking one character. So I haven't read, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I haven't read too much into it just yet because I only picked it up the other day, but um, you can pretty much choose one character from any of your warbands. Depending on your wounds characteristic, you get like a number of upgrades straight away to start off with. And then each round you're getting more and more upgrades. So as the game progresses, each person's character is getting beefier and tougher and, and all the rest of it so it sounds like it might be interesting i do okay. yeah look yeah 
the uh, the issue, of course, with that is obviously with COVID is getting three to six people together to have a game. But hopefully we'll be able to do that shortly. Excuse me for a sec. Take over. Um, so, yeah, because they recently brought out a couple of variants. And I kind of like what they did on, with Underworlds there where they started going, all right, well, here's the, the solo player option where they, you can have a giant and just smash your dudes up against him. I think they've done similar things with Warcry in that there are a couple of um, scenarios that they brought out with the uh, monsters and mercenaries where you can basically have your guys fight an Arachnorok spider or okay. uh, a Gorgon and, and stuff like that. So it, it's nice to see them sort of giving players other options when there is maybe, you know, three guys at a game's night and you don't have that, you know, or even numbers for, for that kind of... Because um, three players in anything is, is kind of awkward. Like even with Underworlds, like you could get very... It always kind of tends to be two on one and then the other two yeah. pick each other off afterwards sort of thing. Yeah. That's what I found. It never really, yeah. Someone ends up being in the, the, the meat in that sandwich and coming off a lot worse or where. Um, so yeah. And the other half of that is like underworlds is kind of pitched as the, or they started to as the, the ultimate competitive, you know, game or whatever it was. What I found, if especially for tournaments and stuff like that, is you spend a day at a tournament or a weekend at a tournament for a game and your brain is destroyed by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might be still super keen and hyped up about the game and, and playing and stuff like this, but you just don't have the mental capacity to to play more games at a competitive level. So a variant like this where it doesn't really matter um, it, it takes the competitive element out, but it still gives you the core, same core game that you like. Um, I think that's a, a really clever move. So you can still play after a day of games. Um, Absolutely. That, and that kind of thing. So, I mean, we used to do the same thing a lot with the Malifaux Enforceable um, after a day of, you know, Malifaux at a tournament um, when we're all a little bit too fried to play more. Um an enforceable still gave us Malifaux. It still gave us, you know, a, a game we could, and ever anyone could join in. Um, but it just was a lot less competitive. It was a lot less um, mentally taxing, and it was a good one to drink during as well. So, yeah, just just leaning into those variations is is kind of kind of awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else? What else? I have finally picked up Bosk for Star Wars Legion. So I did order him. Um, it's about time, about time you ordered him. <laughs> I ordered him in May and he rocked up this month. So that's good. So I finally got my hands on him. Um, of course, now I have painted all my Star Wars Legion models and have moved on to other things. So I'm going to have to – I'll put him together, but I'll have to get to him at some point just to keep the uh, – yeah, pretty much 100% Star Wars Legion painting yeah, thing going. If, if that starts falling, you know, it's, it's a slippery slope. Well, yeah. I can't see myself buying too many more Legion models, at least until I played it properly. But I do have Bosk and I've got Boba, but I, I need to get Boba based properly before I start painting him. So I've got two models still to be painted. Um, but apart from that, I have been working on 
my TCG painting competition models, the pledge that we have done. Uh, so I pledged four models. I have finished uh, Ms. Ari, my little teddy, and to be quite honest, I'm really happy with her. Um, she turned out a lot better than I expected. A lot, uh, just she seems to be in my eyes beyond my skill level. So I'm really happy with her. <laughs> um, it's just I don't I don't know what happened, but I'm just I'm really happy. It was actually fun watching that whole process because even as you were painting stuff, like you weren't finished and you're like, this, this white fluff, it, it kind of looks like white, white fluff. I don't know how I did it, but I'm, this is, this is great. And it just came to be these little kind of journeys of discovery where you're like, happy little accidents. It was the Bob Ross of painting. (laughs) I've done a thing and I'm actually really happy with it. And I'm not used to this feeling. I'm not sure what to do with it. It was it was very bizarre, and like that, you mentioned the fluff. I'm really happy with that fluff. Like it was, it was just, you know, I did I did the undercoat, then I did the the white contrast paint over the top, and then I did a layer of like the white gray over that, and then a highlight on of an actual white. So it wasn't overly complicated, but the way that I actually managed to do it without fucking up the um, the shadows, which is, you know, again, it's not something I'm used to doing. Usually I'll stuff up something. I was just, it took me by surprise how happy I was. So she's done. Um, I did finish. Then I went on to Gertrude for the D&D campaign that we're doing, and I finished her off, and she... Brought me back down to earth. It's a bit more, you know, I finished her and I'm, I'm generally happy with her. I did have some issues with the face. So I did the the skin colour. I did this really nice light sort of, I think it was three to one contrast medium and flesh contrast. So it was a really light flesh colour. And then, of course, when I did the eyes, I hate doing eyes. so then i had to redo kind of half her face and i couldn't quite get that that consistency back um i'm I'm happy enough with with how she finished off but um that's more my style you know (laughs) so to be fair i will say that i find the sort of the the 3D print, the Hero Forge stuff particularly. And I think it's kind of a a factor of the fact that they're making these things as modular as possible. Mm-hmm. So I, I find that there's less detail than a lot of the other models that we're used to, G- G-Dub particularly, because I've noticed there's kind of a trend, especially recently with their sculpts, where there is a lot of texture and it kind of lends itself to contrast paints really, really well because there's a lot of texture for the paint to pick up and fall into and and create a lot of that. And then you go to one of these kind of 3D printed models which look really good and it's amazing that you can customise them, but they don't have that same level of detailed texture for you to lean into with the same techniques. Mm -hmm. So they are trickier on the the face of it straight up um and then yeah painting eyes can suck it like let's all be honest look you you can't see me right now but i am nodding furiously 
Um, but yeah, look, she's done. So she's, you know, I'm happy, happy with the way she is. Um, I tried a couple of different things. For example, I tried a yellow. I generally don't paint yellow unless it's like the eyes on the teddy, for example. Um, but with her hair, I did the, like a yellow, a dark yellow contrast. And then I decided to do a majority of it a yellow and then a lighter yellow on top of that. And I was happy with how that all turned out. Um, I even tried, you can't really see it, but I tried to do some really faint gold lines on the trim of her um, cloak. Mm -hmm. And yeah, happy enough with how that turned out. Um, especially considering it was, yeah, it was very fine lines and trying to do them. And one or two of them ended up being quite thick lines, but I was able to cover that up pretty quickly. So yeah, happy with, you know, different things that I tried with her and, and she quite turned out all right. So she's in the cabinet. She's happy. The third model that I'm doing is the Claw Lord for Warcry and I have assembled him. And that in itself, I think, is like a gold star for me because he's fine cast and I forgot how much I hate fine cast. But he's together, he's undercoated, he's ready to be attacked next. I feel like you'll hate fine cast almost as much as I hate night models resin. <laughs> yeah, we can get into your your little adventure there. Um, fuck me. <laughs> I, I have ranted about the fucking stupid lack of quality control. Anyway, um I think I've I think I've already done that. So let's once or twice. Once or twice. Um apart from that I have uh also put together I did this last night actually I put together a handful of models for my super secret project SSP trademark pending pattern pending pattern pending pattern pending. I love a super secret project. I particularly love a super secret project where the person doing the super secret project is so excited about it. They can't help but talk about it, but knows that they don't want to talk about it. So it's kind of the, um, you know, the, the hobby equivalent of the cryptic Facebook status update. Yes. Uh, oh, woe is me. Yeah. The, the, why is life I, so hard? Yeah. Sure, if you want to be like that kind of deal. Like, oh, what happened? Oh, nothing. <laughs> They're my favorite. But yes. <laughs> legitimate super secret hobby projects are a, a sweet thing. It's just I being able it. to unveil, just being able to drop something and go, oh, guys, while you were busy, you know, not doing hobby, bam. Yes. That's the whole aim. I mean, you know, you know what the super secret project SSP trademark pending patent pending patent pending is, um, but and it's you know to be quite honest, it's, it's to do with with this podcast. It's something that we'll get into on a later date with uh, some luck. But I have managed to get a lot further in no time than I thought I would in a couple of weeks. You know, escalated. Yeah, it, yeah, we were talking about this for, yeah, two days, was it? No, it wasn't even two days. It was one day, and then I was like, oh, look, here, look what I've done. So, very happy. So, to be to be revealed, love it. <laughs> Keep listening, if you care. 
this is what we are we just putting little hooks in there to keep people you know hoping to get onto the next episode in case they get a snippet it's like the masked singer but not at all well we need this crap but um (laughs) different though it's different crap (laughs) i mean we could throw in all these things i could throw in all these things and go okay well you know big reveal next episode and then we just don't record for six months that'd be great (laughs) anyway appreciate that yeah, probably. Nobody's listening anyway. Um, what about you, Jace? Oh, shit. What have I been doing? Um, good question. I, well, interestingly enough, I, speaking of pod, uh, things that we have while we're painting to keep us motivated and things, because I have discovered, um, not that it was much of a discovery, because I feel like everybody knows, but if you actually have something on while you're hobbying, you do more hobby because you get distracted and you find that you keep painting or doing whatever long, like so much further than you would if you had nothing on and that's all you were focused on. My attention span isn't that good, it turns out. So so just having something on in the background that I can occasionally flick up to and and catch or whatever or have on listening to. So... And I haven't done it a lot before because I thought it would be distracting, but I'm finding it kind of useful. So I subscribed to previously a couple of Patreons for painting, um, you know, techniques and how to's and all that kind of stuff by artists I liked. Um, And I never really got the value out of them because I didn't want to watch video tutorials on how to do stuff while I was painting. Um, But then that's kind of the time I consume hobby content because otherwise I'm at work or I'm, you know, not doing hobby things. Um, so I found I didn't get the value out of them. And this time I, I kind of switch every once in a while and just go, Oh, I've, I've kind of seen what this person has to do. I'll try a new one. Um, so I jumped on recently onto um, Sergio Calvo's um, Patreon. So that, that's the one I'm currently on at the moment. And I've just said, bugger it, I'm going to throw videos on um, while I'm painting. And I was surprised how much it didn't, like I wasn't getting too distracted in that I'm still getting stuff painted. I'm still painting for longer. Um, and it, I'm finding I don't actually need to just stare at it and watch. You can kind of dip in and out because you've got the audio going the whole time. And then it's just, oh, I want to see how he's doing this. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. And then keep going. So that's kind of been my hobby background for the last however long. And it's kind of cool. I'm kind of, you know, picking up different, just different techniques and ideas and ways to do things. And, and again, this isn't a, I'm not doing a step-by-step how-to. It's kind of more just to steal ideas and I can do that while I'm painting which is kind of fun so that's been my kind of you know media I'm trying to think I haven't really watched I have not advanced any of my worthwhile tv videos any of the above so we'll skip right past that um what you're saying I mean that's exactly why I loved having Battlestar in the background because I found myself I would put on an episode, I'd get some painting done and I'd be 35 minutes into a 45-minute episode and go, well, okay, episode's still on. Maybe I'll just start doing this bit of painting. 
And then, of course, that episode finishes, and I'm still doing that bit of painting. So I'm like, oh, I'll just watch the next one. And it kept me hobbying a lot longer than, you know, I would have without it. The other one I have done a little bit of is um, just hobby, like, chats over Discord or something. So while people are, are all hobbying, just throwing, you know, the, the voice channel on a Discord server on and just chatting away, um, which hit and miss. Mm-hmm. Um when the conversation gets going and it's kind of easy, it's great. Um, but I've also been in quite a few of those where everybody was so silent because they were so concentrating so much on what they were doing um, or, you know, didn't want to be the one to kick off. I don't know. Um, and, but the the other upside, to, even to the good ones, is you kind of don't put on the, be that guy that's going, guys, it's, I'm going to bed, like it's late, I'm old. So again, it keeps you going just out of, um, you know, sheer embarrassment. So that, that's been another one that's been kind of fun. And again, just to help keep a little bit connected while we can't really see people all that much. Um, so that's been good. Uh, Purchase wise, a couple of things. So, um, apparently, I play Infinity now. Um, <laughs> that happened, um, and then the way that played out was, uh, I did the the diorama for the throw the dice challenge, and I painted a couple of the Infinity models as part of that, and they were just really easy to paint. They were a different aesthetic to stuff that I'd ever done, but they were really nice. Besides the fact they're metal, and we'll all get over that eventually, um, but they were really nice sculpts. There was really crisp detail on them. Um, they painted up just, again, it didn't feel like a lot of effort, um, and it was just something completely different. So I went, screw it, let's get a couple of these models and um, you know, spend some time painting them, and then... That turned into a well. If I'm going to get get a couple of models, do I do I bother trying to get something that I could maybe one day play a game with, just in case? Because you know, a little cohesive. It's only a, a skirmish game. I don't need a lot of guys anyway. That turned into a conversation with uh, an old mate of mine who said, "Oh, I've got a bunch of stuff actually that I was going to sell. If you're interested, I'm happy to get rid of it cheap." Um, so now I'm playing Nomads in Infinity. Um, I own things. I'm not sure what any of them are, but I'm pretty sure I need more. Um, You're addicted already. I just... There there are two things in this faction that I really like. Um, one is Big Stompy Robots, because the Big Stompy Robots, they're kind of, they're kind of cool. Um, and the other one is little tiny robots that look like little koalas and you know, okay. stupid pandas and stuff like this so i'm so on board with both of those aesthetics that i'm pretty sure i can fill in a blank with a a workable list and some stuff to paint and i just thought you know i I don't do a lot of sci-fi i don't do a lot of futuristic stuff and the stuff that i have done has been very g-dub aesthetic which is that real sort of gothic grim darkiness um so to do something a little bit more cyberpunk would be kind of fun um so that's also escalated slightly because um, Richard Throw the Dice is also pumping Infinity as uh, one of the games he's kind of supporting and promoting, and so he is nudging me in all the right ways. Um, 
So I'm sure, I'm sure that will happen. So I've grabbed grabbed a bunch of stuff um, that I just got secondhand, and I have a list of things that I need to own now um, that I'll slowly work through. But one of those models will go is on my um, hobby hobby pledge for the hobby challenge. Um, so. I pulled him out today and had a look and then went, oh, you're metal and I'll deal with it later. Um, And I'm currently looking at how I want to base them, which is the only other thing that's really stopping me going. Um, So purchase-wise, there was that. There was um, a bit of a a swapsy deal um, locally. So, uh, again, 8th edition fantasy, which is possibly the second best edition of fantasy that there was after seventh um he's, he's getting him a little bit of a resurgence there was a few guys sort of going you know playing age of sigma but who'd be keen on, on stepping back in time um I, so I i haven't kept up with the whole conversation so this is obviously i mean there were people excited about this when it was first discussed so the conversation's still going on the conversation is still going there are guys um, a bunch of guys putting together lists. Um, there's a bit of a slow grow event campaign style where, you know, people are sort of starting at small 750 point games and working upwards um, with the idea that people would have a, a fully sort of completed painted army by the end of it and they'd played some games and got remembered the rules again um, and that kind of fun. So that is happening. Um, it would happen faster if we were allowed to have games a little bit more than we are now, um, but it's the... But the things have started. Things have started. Yeah. I mean, especially with, with Through the Dice being able to host games now, that's yeah, it's a big thing. Rich has been pumping for the last week or two where he has been able to. He's been booked out pretty much every day he's been allowed open. Yeah, I've um, seen that. <laughs> It's been glorious to see. So I've got to get in and, and get some games happening or just roll some dice or play something um, there as well. I've got, you know, a, a hankering to play some, some old 8th edition Warhammer. Um, but my initial plan for 8th edition was, because I can't make up my mind what else I want to play, it gives me an opportunity to finish my Beastman army, which is kind of the most complete army I ever did. Um, for 8th edition, um, it was a big conversion project. Basically, every single model in the range is converted or it's uh, um, you know an alternate range that I've sourced and, and done stuff like this. There's a few units I don't own, not many, like you know a handful of, of units I don't own, um, and this kind of gives me an opportunity to complete that army so i'll use the the hobby part of this to do the finishing of the army and get some games in and it will be glorious um so i managed to snag the underworld's beastman warband i mm-hmm. can't think of who they're called but it doesn't really matter because they're going to get hacked up to be turned into nurgle beastman as part of the army um anyway um they so are nice I- ones too that like the despoiler models uh I really like them. I haven't painted them yet because they're one of those ones that I really want to take my time with and get right because they're they're beautiful models. Yeah, so they're glorious. They're going to definitely get some love. Um, So I got some of those. I got the 
giant plague sensor from the screaming bell kit. You know, it can turn <sighs> of both, both the bell and the big plague thing. Um, now you're talking Skaven. Now, now you've really got me hooked. I've, tell I've tell me more. Well, I one of the models I don't currently own is the Cyborg, which for anyone who playing at home and knows nothing about Beastmen or Warhammer, um, is basically a giant one-eyed giant um, who. A, doesn't like wizards for some reason, so has some anti-magic, anti-wizard deal, um, but also likes to throw rocks. Um, so in a Beastman army, is basically a giant that's also a stone thrower that also is a little bit of a anti-magic-y thing. Um, my Beastman army is very Nurgle-themed. Not that there is any, you know, Nurgle rules or anything in the Beastman army. They Just to say look better. I just thought it'd be, it's a good excuse to, to convert because you can't really go wrong. Um, if it looks messy, it, it's probably a good thing. So it was, it was a really nice project for me just to let loose and do whatever I want, knowing that it was pretty hard to screw it up. So my current plans for the Cygor, I did a little bit of a sketch just to sort of start getting the, the creative juices flowing. The Saigor model is, is pretty cool, but let's be real. We can do better than that. I've got one of the, um, what are they? So end times, Nurgle end times, you had the Glockkin and then you had mm-hmm. the, min, the mini ones. They were still big zombie dudes, but not quite Glockkin big. Um, the maggot lords or whatever the hell they were called. Mm-hmm. Three dudes on, you know, big stompy critters i've got one of those and i figure like that that little guy would make some great legs um so the plan is to use the legs of that probably lose one of the legs and i've got most of a doom wheel that i'm going to give him a bit of a an artificial wheelie leg um i'm loving this so far and then um for the the anti-magic kind of idea. I was trying to work out whether I can sort of bust his stomach or ribs open um, and almost have like a wizard stuck in his rib cage exposed is plan B. I'm not sure if any of this is actually going to work in real life when I start applying glue to, to models, but we'll see. Um, and then for the, the rock throwing element i needed something a little bit cooler so i thought if you could hurl the the plague sensor like some kind of either you know slingshot or mace i thought that'd be kind of cool so that is current plan a um i think you've just given me like a hobby gasm or something like because like all of that sounds just incredibly amazing to me i would never be able to pull it off like my conversion skills are not great but like the Skaven, you're talking Skaven, so you, you're really getting to me there. Doom Wheel, um, Plague Sensor. The, the Screaming Bell kit is one of those kits that I've wanted for a long time. And I think I've mentioned this before, but I would play Skaven if I played Fantasy, but I can't be bothered buying 3,000 dudes. That is... 100% an, uh, a realistic, you know, <laughs> stance to pull. Um, look, I haven't really converted much since the Beastman, so I'm going to be a little bit rusty and I'm, uh, you know, feeling a, a little bit nervous at, at 
taken a knife to all these kits, but it, I've got to give it a go. So um, I feel like it's too cool an idea not to at least make an attempt. So that's kind of one of the plans. I've got to do some Angor Raiders, um, which, or no, not some Raiders, just the Angor unit, which I've got some of them coming, but I've got a couple of plans to make the, the unit. And that was the kind of cool thing about fantasy is you could do units of things. So you can kind of do unit fillers and, and, and different pieces and make the unit like a little mini diorama. Um, so we'll have a bit of a play with that and whatever else I had for that. Um, so to be honest, most of my purchases have been um, begging, borrowing, and stealing bits for conversions. Um, so Grant, one of the local guys, was like, happy enough to, to flick me um, and nice enough to flick me both the Beastman Warband and the Sensor on the promise of favours yet to be given. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we'll... we'll We'll work out how that's going to play out. So that is kind of the purchase front. And then the hobby, the actual getting some shit done front, um, again, just kind of working through the hobby challenge stuff. So I'm up to model number three-ish. Um, so Donna Troy was the first one from uh, Batman. Um, night models, get your shit together, but she's painted. Um, so... That was fun. The next one was the Blood Bowl Minotaur. So he's pretty much... Look, I've got to put some tufts and some leaves on a base, but I'll get to that one day maybe. Um, so he is, you know, 99.9% there, enough that I could justify starting something else. And I've been working on the Mind Stealer, not Sphinx, because that wouldn't be GW IP. Um, so we just <laughs> added extra letters in there and called it something else. But so here's my current one, and that's the one I've actually been painting while watching the um, Patreon video tutorials, and it's actually given me some some ideas and some some kind of hints and tips for getting him done. So that's been super super useful. Um, so Jace has put some some pictures of this this not Sphinx on our Facebook group, and I'd just like to say that this I mean this is the perfect interlude for me to interject with. For the competition, we're not basing it on skill because I feel like Jace's Sphinx would maybe deter a lot of people because it looks incredible. Like the, the, the colours that you've done on that are just, yeah, amazing work. It's, it's been fun. It's been a bit of a learning curve, um, but a, a really good chance to just to try some stuff out. Like I wanted to do a non-metallic metal, but I didn't want it to be a standard gold or silver kind of deal. So it was, what else could I do? What if we make it bright orange? Um, you know, th that kind of fun. Um, the, the, the idea of trying to paint fur was pretty goddamn daunting. Um, it's actually kind of turned into after getting this far through. It, it's kind of been the the calm area. There hasn't been a lot of thinking. Like once you get the idea down, you can kind of just paint. And look, I've spent way too much time painting tiny little lines of fur all over this bastard. Um, but it's been kind of fun, and it's just it, it's been a really interesting kind of you know, a different way to paint something. Um, and I kind of, while painting this, the, the idea kind of dawned on you know, the idea of paint classes and tutorials and all kinds of stuff. Um, 
that would be good, you know, would be good to offer people. Um, and this was kind of an attempt at trying to take what I do because I feel like a lot of us paint and you don't really think about the, the, what it is you're doing. You just kind of do it and either it works or it doesn't and there's no real understanding about why it works or why it doesn't work or why you would do the next step as the next step kind of deal. So th- this has also been a little bit of an ex- exercise in me trying to understand what I do and why I do it and if I could roll that into some kind of you know reasonable structure that you could then say, oh, here's how I paint a model or here's how I would paint this model and here's the approach I would take, but make it something that isn't just really vague and conceptual and stuff. So that's the other half of sort of what's going into this piece as well, me trying to work out what the hell I'm doing because a lot of painting is just, you know, kind of intuition and feeling and experience and stuff. Um, So that's been fun as well. But, you know, I need to just pull my finger out and finish him so I can do the rest of the stuff because I pledged too much. Told you. Look, we knew it was going to happen, but at least it's forcing me to do things um, and I'll just do a half-assed job on some other stuff. It'll be fine. I'm not going to say that I told you so, but I definitely told you so. You have it recorded. It's, you know, <laughs> go back to it. In fact, we should do just one episode that's just that on repeat. Now. <laughs> <laughs> now of me going no no jace no no maybe you shouldn't pledge that much have you thought about maybe just just dialing that back a little bit no no <laughs> 40 hours on a base yeah sure anyway <laughs> that's that hobby is, that is our hobby um do we want to take this ep- uh, opportunity just to pause for a minute and chill out and maybe play some music because for the last couple of episodes, I don't know whether anyone's noticed, I've had to find a spot literally in between words that we've been saying to put a little bit of an interlude to make it seem like we're a professional and organized unit. Um, And look, I think it sort of worked, but I'm going to plan this one and I'm going to say here, now is our time to have a musical breaky type interlude and we will come back and we'll talk about something other than what we've talked about for the last 46 minutes. Good Lord. We're supposed to talk about games and all sorts of stuff on this podcast. We're just spending 46 minutes talking about ourselves and what we've been doing. It's a touch narcissistic. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) All right. And break.
and we are back recording. Look at that. Are you back recording also? Oh, sorry, Jason. I didn't notice you there. I was just busy painting. <laughs> now, hold on. I feel like I've done this. <laughs> yeah. No, we've been here. Oh, okay. <laughs> we've moved on? No, I swear I saved that bit. <laughs> <laughs> we've spent 46 minutes talking about ourselves, and now let's talk about ourselves a bit more. That's why I started a podcast. I don't know about you, but... Yeah. <laughs> I don't like talking. Um, so, I mean, the whole idea of this podcast was that we would play some games that we, you know, were either we play regularly or we don't play at all, try and get some feedback on it. Now, obviously with COVID, that has made it a little bit harder, but with the easing of restrictions, we have played a game. It actually happened. Oh, my God. Like, it was bizarre. But we played a little game, and this is a game that I had set up ready for us to play when the restrictions came in force into Geelong. So it was good to finally actually get to to have the game that I set up months ago, it feels like. Was it months ago? Definitely weeks. It was, it was most definitely months ago. Okay. But we played Space Hulk. Yeah. We did. And this is the first time I've played Space Hulk in many years. And the first time I've played it sober. <laughs> I was about to say likewise, but it's definitely not the first time I've played it sober. So um, for those of you that don't know much about Space Hulk, I might go into a little bit of detail about it. Basically, are we going to do a deep dive? A little bit of a deep dive. I have notes, you know. This is what I do. I make the notes and you just ramble. So, Space Hulk is a two player game. It's um, basically one person is taking the role of the Terminators. Now, in general terms, the, the Space Hulk as a release likes to make these Terminators Blood Angels for some reason, but they can be your random Terminators anyway. And what they, they have discovered is they have discovered a what they call a Space Hulk, which is a derelict spaceship or you know lots of derelict spaceships that have conjoined into one over the course of time. And so the Terminators go in, they explore, and the second player takes the role of the Gene Stealers who have infected this Space Hulk. Now... We are talking gene stealers pre the existence of Tyranids. So before Tyranids were a thing, gene stealers were a thing. And then they became this this horrible sort of, I mean, I like the Tyranid models now, but like when it first came out, the, the old Tyranid models. I still have a dream of painting some of those old sort of 90s era Tyranids. Um and hoping that you could resurrect them with paint. Um, I don't think it's possible. It's so bad. I kind of want to try it. Like the Warriors, like the, the, the worst of the worst ones. Um, get some of those and actually see if it's doable. But anyway, I digress yet again. <laughs> so anyway, Space Hulk uh, originally came out in 1989. It uh, came out with the base set originally and then they ended up releasing two expansions. So the expansions were Deathwing, which I'm still positive was the first 
time we were introduced to Deathwing, as in the Dark Angels Terminators, and like the old fluff, which is throughout those books, is, is just gold, in my opinion. It, it's basically been thrown out, right? So it's no longer canon. It's kind of this standalone thing now. That's com- um, yeah, they, they've completely ignored it, like, you know, the Star Wars sequels and all the books. Uh, Deathwing, originally, they were basically American Indians. So they had names like, you know, Sun Rising and Two Weasels, and their armour was like a mixture of very old uh, American Indian-type cave drawings. It's just, uh, and uh, there's this huge story throughout the books, which is the the elder Terminator captain telling the younger guys of the story of this space hulk that they investigated, and it's it's still one of the best stories I've ever read, as far as GW is concerned. Um, anyway, Deathwing came out. Uh, the second expansion was called Gene Stealer, and that introduced these. These are really like, there's a lot of thought that's gone into these names of these expansions, I must say. I was going to say, because, I mean, Space Hulk by itself was the Terminators and Gene Stealers, right? Mm-hmm. Well, was the first one, like, because Gene Stealers was an expansion, so was the first one just Terminators? Was it like a, the world's latest <laughs> but one-player game? <laughs> um, Deathwing actually did introduce uh, one solo capabilities into the game so in one way it is that you could uh so deathwing yeah introduced a way that you could play space hulk by yourself when you have no friends gene stealer introduced a hybrid gene stealer so it's kind of the first time they really talked about that as well whereas you know it's gone into a lot more lore on gene stealers now and how gene stealers will infest a human colony or or otherwise and slowly slowly take over it in time but hybrid gene stealers as well as they introduced uh the patriarch gene stealer and psychic um attacks and and abilities into space hulk so so it's basically gene stealer cults 101 like it's pretty much yeah old yeah and that was they were that was law that they kind of threw out bunch of those games like necromunda had some of them in there and like they kept sneaking these kind of gene stealer infestations and stuff into games but yeah it's kind of cool just to go back and go this is the first time it appeared yeah yes this game has so many memories for me i i have the 89 version and both expansions in my cupboard they it just brings me back to happy times as a as a teenager playing this with mates after school or whatever. Space Hulk was one of those games, as well as Blood Bowl, that we just dived into and played a lot of. Um, So it was, I mean, it was, again, it was one of those games that Games Workshop sort of lost track of and nothing really happened until 2009 when they re-released it. So it was um, what they called third edition. There was a second edition, which was kind of updated rules and bits and pieces from white dwarf in there as well third edition the i did a little bit of research and i knew it was popular i was desperate to get my hands on a copy and just you know work being what it was at the time i couldn't afford to do it i couldn't 
I think, yeah, I was I was paying a mortgage on one salary by myself. It just wasn't feasible for me. And it was a big game, like price wise too. Like there was a lot of stuff in it. I say it was like two hundred eighty bucks. Look, I don't know. It was definitely over two hundred. Um, and I was lucky enough that a mate of mine was a games workshop uh, manager at the time. And he said to me for about a week, he's like, I've got a copy. Do you want it? Do you want it? I'm like, I do want it. That's not the question. Whether or not I can afford it, that's the question. And eventually I just said to him, look, I just can't do it. I can't justify it. I'd love it, but sell it to somebody else. A couple months passed and it's my birthday. A whole heap of people turn up to my place for a party. He's not one of them. He couldn't make it because he was working, but a present arrived from him, which just happened to be the third edition of Space Hulk. So he'd taken me on my word that I wanted it and he just picked it up for me. So just one of the sweetest presents and, and just thoughtful things that I've ever received, actually. I need better friends. Like, <laughs> just take note, guys, lift your game. Uh, look, I'll love him forever for that. Um, anyway, that that edition, actually, the mail order sold out three days before release, and most stores only had a couple of copies, and they sold out within a week of release, and that was it. Um, they did redo it a number of years later, and again, it, it sold out pretty quickly. So it's one of those games that they've done a couple of versions. They're out there, but getting your hands on might be a little bit trickier than, than some of your other games. It was, it was one of those games, like I was probably in the, the height of my gaming um, when it was released. Uh, and it was, I remember just, you know, going, I, I want it. I I need, I, I can't, I can't justify nearly 300 bucks on, but I really want it. And then literally the, the choice was taken away from me, um, which made me want it even more. But um, It's funny how that works. It, it was literally a case of, no, no, I'll just sit on it. I'll, I'll wait a week. And then a week it was gone. Like it just no longer was an option. It was insane, the hype for this game. Um, you know, off the back of the fact it, it was a game that was kind of discontinued and then it, it had all these nostalgia type vibes for a lot of people um you know when they started giving you previews of what the models look like and you know for single pose models they were some of the nicest sculpts that g-dub had come out with um forgetting just for a board game like because terminators are kind of the, the stock standard you know 40k they are a 40k model these were nicer than anything that was going around for 40k at the time um, and I, I know people that literally got hold of those models so they could put them in a 40 K army because they were nicer than anything else that they could get. Um, so yeah, there was legitimate hype for this thing's release. Um, and then it was gone. It's like I said, I mean, it just, this, this is one of those games that I have a lot of fun memories playing. And it was great to revisit it again because it has been many years since I've played it. In fact, the I'm ashamed to say it, but the, the 2009 version, I'm not sure that I have actually played it before now. Um, I was grateful that I still have my, my copy of the 89 version. Um, 
but it's it's one of those games because it's a two-player game. It's you versus your opponent. It, there's a lot of tension in this game. There's a lot of ways that you can make one decision to completely screw up your game. But, yeah, that is what it is. It has had numerous versions, um, PC-wise, Xbox-wise, PlayStation-wise. There was a game that came out a couple of years ago called Space Hulk Tactics, which is pretty much just a port onto the, the Xbox and, and PlayStation, which I picked up not long ago. It's definitely this year, and I picked it up for about, it was less than 10 bucks, so I was really excited. Uh, but then I realized, of course, that the company that makes it has, no longer supports it, which means they don't support the, uh, the online capabilities, which means that you can't play it with anyone. You're basically playing against the AI which is kind of disappointing because I'd, I'd really love to be able to play it online and have that other option, you know, something similar to Blood Bowl on the Xbox where you can, if you're not in the same room, you can still play a game. And there was a card game released by Fantasy Flight. Is that right? Am I getting that right? Yeah. Yep, cool. Yep. Which um, was quite sought after. And again, now that Fantasy Flight no, no longer do those games, uh, can be very tricky to get your hands on. I've got a copy, and you can play it solo, but I think you're looking at about a hundred bucks these days to get your hands on one. It's just yeah, the the hype for Space Hulk, the uh, the demand for it is just huge. And having played it, is it justified, Jason? Look, I. I actually, I really don't want to answer. And that's only because I've only paid like the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. I've only, and just dipped my toe in the water of, um, you know, the, the space, space Hulk ocean. Um, in that I reckon I have played the first scenario, you know, half a dozen times, but five of those six times were fairly inebriated, which is why I played the same one again the next time as well. Um, so I think this was really the first time I'd managed to play it and, and really immerse myself in the, the, the game and, and actually get my head around it. And as I said, it's been years anyway. So that kind of relearning piece takes a little bit. Um, but probably just taking a step back, the, the whole concept of the game. So you've got a group of Terminators, there's generally not many of them because they're Terminators, um, in exploring the Space Hulk. And each there's a bunch of different missions that have different sort of board configurations and, and objectives and stuff like that. And the Terminators have got an objective. So in the, um, the first mission that we played, effectively they've got to go and purge a room. There's uh, an old dead relic... Um, sort of of a Terminator, or sorry, the Space Marine Terminator that's been there. He's he's died in the Space Hulk, um, and they've got to go there and just burn the shit out of that room um, to make sure that no one else steals their delicious technologies um, and whatever. I 
I can't even remember now, but it doesn't matter. That's their objective. Go in, flame the room. I um, do like then, that because the actual objective is to flame the room, and I just added the little Terminator in there just so that you knew which room it was. No, oh, I liked it. It was good. Um, but um, you've expanded on it. I love it. I, 100%. Um, yeah, so burn the room, step one. I'm not sure why we're burning the room, but we're burning the room. Um, the Gene Stealers, look the effective. It, you've only got one model that's a Terminator that can burn the room. So if he dies, the Gene Stealers win. Um, if he runs out of ammunition, the Gene Stealers win. If all the Terminators die, the Gene Stealers win. So basically not letting the um, the Space Marines do what they want to do is the Gene Stealers' MO. Um, so one player controls them. And the, the whole premise of the game, for anyone who isn't across this at all, so it's played on a board. Um, the board, because it's a Space Hulk, is basically corridors. And the, the interesting piece of this is um, the corridors are all one model wide. So Terminators and their big bulky armor can't get past each other. So they kind of, you know, have to conga line it along the corridor until they get to a junction and they can start to spread out and do different things. Um, but it inhibits your movement and need, means that you need to start planning where you want your players to or your pieces to be and in what order and that kind of thing. Um, so Terminators can do what Terminators do. They can move, they can shoot, they can try and hit things if it gets too close. But that that's basically the, the premise. Um, the Gene Stealers, the, the mechanic for this, which is kind of cool, is they come on randomly throughout the um, the encounter, but they don't come on as models. So the whole concept is that the Terminators are constantly using their, their special Terminator technology to scan the, the area around them. So they, if you get these little counters, these little blip counters, and what that blip is, is the Terminator's little scanning radar device thing going, there's something. Don't know what it is. There's definitely something down that hall and around the corner a little bit. So while the, the Space Marines can't see the Gene Stealer blip counters, it stays as a blip counter. And that blip counter could be one Gene Stealer. It could be two Gene Stealers. It could be three Gene Stealers. Um, so it, it there's an element of unknown in there. Um, and then the Gene Stealer player basically moves those blips around and at some stage decides that he wants to murder Terminators and exposes the blip, reveals how many Gene Stealers are hiding under it, and then runs full pelt at you and tries to claw your face off. I love the blip aspect too. Like it just, it brings back memories of the motion tracker in Aliens. Yes. Which, ironically enough, came out three years earlier to Space Hulk. So I don't know. You know take that. Ironically, do you mean um, in a gross, you know, uh, lifting of someone else's IP? Um, uh, no, no cease and desist orders were. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not even saying that the aliens are. Uh, oh, sorry, my mistake. Gene Stealers. <laughs> no, it's it's. It's got that aspect. It's got that sort of, I mean, I love the Aliens films, so. And look, the cool thing about that parallel is the Aliens films had a really good suspense element in them, right? There was this almost, always this element, oh, I don't know. They were really good for that, you know, jump moment 
where where the alien jumps out or out of someone's stomach or either way but they're they're crawling through this you know facility and then something would jump out at you and you kind of you get that there's something we don't know what it is it could be a puppy it could be uh, you know a horde of giant death wielding aliens um and this gives you that same kind of sense of suspense in that it's something all right, we're playing Space Hulk. It's bad, but how bad? There's one Jens dealer we can probably shoot in the face. If it's three, it gets trickier. Um, you start moving into uh, other scenarios where there's a couple of different Jens dealer. There's, there's bigger, meaner Jens dealers. Because uh, if I'm right, um, yes. again, it's a hazy, hazy variant. Um, but there was, you know, the the, the big brain gene steal or not not the actual big brain gene stealer but there was a a bigger meaner leader gene stealer in there mm-hmm. the patriarch so yeah um what i love i mean i do love two aspects about this game as far as setup goes like i love the the blip idea and it, these blips are moving around the board you have no idea if you're the space marine player what they are um or how bad it is you've just got to try and prepare for the worst but the other thing i love is that the game itself is just basically jigsaw puzzles that you put together in any way, shape, or form. So you can follow the games that that the rule book gives you, and this goes from I think there's twelve of them, um, and as you go on, they get harder and harder and harder, but different scenarios. But because they're like basically jigsaw pieces, you can you can create what you like. You can create like this huge space Hulk or, or this sort of mini one that we had for this first mission. So the options are, are great as far as that goes. And I guarantee, and without even looking online, there will be a resource of additional miss- missions that people have created mm-hmm. um, because that happens with every single game that has ever been created where there's a world building element um you know i'm thinking you know the the mario maker (laughs) um as an example there but um you know so there'll be other ones that you can either steal if you don't want to get creative but just throw pieces down like you can create whatever the hell you want yeah and i i went through actually afterwards and had a look at all the old uh rule books and the first, well, the 1989 missions are the same as the 2009 missions. And then there's missions in Gene Steeler and there's missions in Deathwing. So, and there were missions in, in White Dwarfs afterwards. So there's definitely missions around that we could still yeah. play. So what, what I'm hearing is replayability. Yes. And what I said, I mean, I said to you this on the night, but I think the best way of doing it is definitely for for one person to pick a side and stick with that side because there's quite a bit of learning that goes on, especially in the first game as you're getting used to it. As a gene stealer player, you've got to learn, you know, when's a good time to reveal blips, when's a good time to keep them back, when's a good time to charge forward. As a Space Marine player, you've got, probably more to learn as in you know as you said the the lineup and and how you have your guys in order and when it's good for one or two of them to go off on their own and when it's when it's better to keep them all together there's definitely a lot to a lot of tactics that you can learn and play with with this game so having 
two player a two player game having the the one player play through as many missions as you want to get through probably is the same side is is a good idea in my idea in my and it almost because i mean especially if we're talking about just the rule book um cam like the, the rule book uh missions and you're going through right there is almost this sense of narrative structure yes. in it um and it, half of that is just the rule book introducing new rules as you go along or new characters or, or you know making the maps bigger and more complex and that kind of stuff so part of it's just that but there's this sense of you know it's one big space hulk you're still exploring you're still going through the the process and it, it kind of adds a real almost role play kind of element to it where you get attached to these and th- they did a really good job in this where not only do they have these um, pretty amazing sculpts for the models but each of the space marines is named yes so it, it's not not just you know dude with bulk gun dies it's you know brother pedro of the ninth phalanx I'm making names up, um, but you know, uh, you know, Captain Julius, um, the the magnificent, you know, he suddenly he's the one that dies. He he has a personality and a name and you know a role. Um, so it it adds to that kind of that real space marine brotherhoodiness um, aspect as well. Um, and the more you dive into forty um, k law, of which there is a lot to dive into you kind of get the feeling of it. You get that kind of alien movie vibe with that real constant suspense element. Um, and there's still the tactical um, piece of that, of what's the the best way to A, achieve my objective, but you kind of have this secondary objective as the Space Marine player, at least, in that, you know, life is precious. You're You're a pretty small force in that, you know, there's, you know, five guys on the board kind of deal. Um, so losing one of them is actually losing a significant part of your force. Um, so you kind of have to play super conservative, but also achieve your, your, your objective there. So there's this kind of real piece about, you know, the aliens getting too close or the blips all starting to build up or surround you or something adds a real, sense of tension and that's probably the other piece that is really nice you trying to come up with these really kind of cunning plans or the you know most logical action here under under pressure and under that tension i just i just really want to know brother pedro's story now brother pedro the implacable um Um, yeah totally and and to what you know the What's the classic saying that the best laid plans completely fall over in the face of battle? Um, yeah, yeah it looks definitely notice some of that during our game. Sorry, do we, let, let's all right, let, we've talked enough in general terms. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the game. All right, so the game. I mean, so you have we did roll off to see who was going to be the Space Marines and who was going to be the Gene Stealers, and you won that roll off. 
Well, there was no Did you lose it? So, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. So the, the whole issue here is let's take a step back. As we said, oh, do you want to play? You, you said, do you want to play as the Space Marines or the Gene Stealers? And I said, oh, I don't care. Do you want to play as the Space Marines or the Gene Stealers? And you said, oh, I don't care. Um, and then we st- stared at each other for about 10 minutes. And then we said, well, let's roll off. And and then you said, well, who does the winner pick? Because they can't pick, which means what, what happens now? I said, all right, well, how about just the highest dice roll gets the space marines and i ended up rolling slightly higher so i ended up with the space marines and i'm not sure whether that means i won or i lost but (laughs) now we're here yes so i got yeah so i got to take control of all the awesome looking gene stealers uh you had five rather impressive looking terminators so you had three guys armed with bolt guns and power fists one guy with a power fist and the flamer which is the guy that you really need to protect and get him into this or at least where he can see this room so he can shoot it and you have a sergeant with a bolter and i mean sorry when i say bolter i mean store bolters that's your typical terminated bolter um, and a power sword. So he was your sergeant. So while he was on the field, you got to do a couple of extra bits and pieces. Uh, you get to take command points every turn. So you can have a couple of extra actions. And while your sergeant's out, you can, if you choose one and you're not happy with it, you can choose another one sort of thing. So, um, so he helps you along. And then you've got your, your four other guys. So, like we said, general idea, all you needed to do was get to this room, which had a door in front of it, so you had to open a door, be able to see into the room with your flame guy, and just flame on. So, first couple of turns was sort of inching forwards for you, getting used to that, um, you know, that sort of layout that you had you reached the first room pretty quickly and were able to to spread you guys out a little bit so first couple of turns not much happened there was a couple of gene stealers um but i held a couple quite a few back so that they were close but not too close turn three is where things really started happening though so we had in Turn three, we had 10 gene stealers revealed. So already I'm outnumbering you at least two to one. That's not including the blips that are not have not been revealed yet. You had a couple of guys on Overwatch. So as a Space Marine, you can put one of your guys with a Storm Bolter on Overwatch, which means that anything that he sees in the gene stealer's turn, he's going to take a shot at which means that if I have a gene stealer five spots away and I'm moving forward each space that I move, you get to take a shot at. So there's, and it turns out that there's good and there's bad about this, right? So the good thing is you get to shoot gene stealers. That's mm. good. Um, Cause you have to roll pretty high to hit the bastards. Um, but the good thing is they stay dead. The downside is with Overwatch, you're rolling two dice, needing a six or maybe a five to, to murder a gene stealer. If you roll a double, your bolter jams. So more shots is more chances to potentially kill a gene stealer, but it's also more chances that your bolter will jam and you won't be able to shoot anymore. So if that you, you know, jam on that first gene stealer, suddenly the second one, because there's 10 on the board now, is going to get to you. Um, and that was probably the other piece that's, 
it adds to the tension. Like rolling dice is good, but also rolling dice is kind of bad. Yeah. So as a gene stealer player, you you kind of want to be getting into the position where you can make those Overwatch shots like get taken and you're hoping for for a double to to jam the bolter and then be able to get in and and get into close combat because gene stealers i mean they can't obviously can't shoot or anything they've just got their claws don't have thumbs once they get into close combat they're rolling three dice to the space marines one and it's the highest value will win so if they get in then you've got to be lucky as a space marine to survive that so yeah turn three we had 10 gene stealers revealed you had two guys on overwatch one at the front one at the back both of those guys ended up jamming their bolters in my turn uh which was long enough for me to get a gene stealer into the back of your line and kill the guy at the back so turn three you're down to four guys your flame is still in the middle, and we've got um, Sergeant as well. He's starting to peel off, I think, at this stage too. So yeah, this is me trying to clear a bit of a path for the flamer. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, because you've only got, you know, you guys can only move four squares, or you've only got four actions per per model, and then maybe a couple of bonus actions if you're lucky. So you're also trying to go work out how I can keep everyone together but start making progress because the longer you take, the more gene stealers are on the board. Um, and that's kind of where that pressure is. So, you know, the idea here is the sergeant is the one that's most likely to be able to actually survive uh, a round of combat against a gene stealer. So we'll put him in the front. Um, you know, he can we can drive him closer so we can hit things with his sword. Um, but, you know, he's got a chance of maybe surviving the a round of combat or even killing a gene stealer or two. So we'll put him right at the front. He can poke his head around the corners. We'll see what happens, but um, hopefully that's enough to to keep the flamer in the middle of the pack safe. And the, the plan throughout the whole thing for this is realistically put the flamer in the middle and make sure that at least there's a wall of bodies for them to get through before they can get to him. That's it. And then what happened here was in turn four, we, you got to a point where you could basically take two different corridors. They had a little right angle turn, which you could take, and both of them would get you to the same spot eventually. But of course, one of the corridors had more gene stealers than the other one. So you split up a little bit. So you've left one guy basically on Overwatch heading down that corridor, another guy at the back on Overwatch watching your rear, and then your sergeant and your flamer decide to go off onto the second corridor, which you know is is a legitimate strategy and probably the, the exact same thing I would have done. What ended up happening, of course, is that on that turn four, a couple of gene stealers got into hand to hand combat with your sergeant. He did kill one or two of them, but he did not last the round. No, it was a wonderful dream. Um, he, yeah, he made a glorious end. Um, his his song, you know, the song of his deeds will be sung through the ages. But uh, yeah, I was down another another dude, and 
probably a relatively important dude. So, yes, that would have limited you quite a bit. So, I mean, you, the power sword that the sergeant has, he's basically rolling 1d6 and uh, adding 1. So his 1d6 plus 1 has got to beat the result of the highest number of my 3d6. Now, he can get the gene stealer to re-roll one of those dice, but sooner or later the, the odds are that, that those dice are going to go in the gene stealer's favour, which is exactly what happened, I think, uh, when I rolled. I think you got like a four and I got two fives on my 3D, 3d6, so even re-rolling one wasn't going to save you. That's it. Yeah. So turn four, we are down to three Marines. We've got one in one corridor at the front, one at the back, both on Overwatch, and then your flamer guy's kind of exposed a little bit. He's feeling a little bit naked. Yes. <laughs> and considering he is your, your be and be all and end all of the game, he's the one you've got to keep safe. So what then happened is in a couple of turns of the flamer walking forward and flaming a particular section of the board, which is exactly what, which was really the the only option you could have done. So the flames, yeah, the flames will basically take up a whole one of those jigsaw pieces, be it, you know, three squares or five squares, whatever that the jigsaw piece that you shoot at is. It's going to kill anything in it on a 2 plus, on a D6. But the issue is, of course, that those flames stay there until the end of the Gene Stealer's turn. So if I, as a Gene Stealer, want to walk through three squares that are on fire, I've got to roll for each square that I I go into and get a 1 to survive, which is not good odds. It looked possible. Possible. I mean, if we were playing Blood Bowl, I'd be rolling a lot more once. Yes. Which, so, but in Space Hulk, it didn't seem to work that way. No. So turn five, you, you basically cleared what was in front of you, managed to get a couple of steps forward. Turn six, again, a couple of steps forward, uh, flaming the crossroads where you had to turn left to go into this room. And I had Gene Steelers left, right, and center at this point. But talking about the tension in this, right? So atrocious movie choice to compare it to, but Pitch Black, Vin Diesel. I thought you were going to say Where... Showgirls. No. Um, tempting, but we'll, we'll stick with mine. Okay. Um, Vin Diesel, he's got the super light-sensitive eyes so he can see in the dark, whatever the hell that is. But there's these, like, demony bird critters on on the planet that they're on that only come out in the dark. So as long as they stay in the light that they're safe. And there was this kind of moment where you've got this guy with a flamer just lighting up the corridor in front of him and a horde of gene stealers just peeking around the peripheral, just going, we're not going in there. It's too bright. It was, yeah, there was, there was a real moment of, you know, cinematic brilliance. <laughs> Um, of course, the other piece that adds a little bit of tension here is there's a time limit because while the the flamer can keep flaming the 
the squares in front of him and you know deleting gene stealers and keeping himself safe um but he can only do that a in one direction and he's only got six shots six bursts of flame effectively in his tank so at some stage the fire runs out and i need one of those to flame the room um so the longer this takes the the more grim it's looking yeah it was it was the tension was great and it really this is the point where the game could have gone either way um and that's what i loved about it it was just on both sides, it's like, wow, oh, this is what's going to happen. I've got to get a gene sealer in somehow, try and get it behind you or try and get through the flames. You've got to keep getting, inching forwards, but still block my way to get to you. Um, and, yeah, so turn five, you cleared in front of you. Turn six, you cleared the crossroads before the door. I've got gene stealers all around the crossroads. Um, turn seven. You managed to move through the crossroads. Of course, the flames have gone by now. Uh, through the crossroads and around the corner. So you're within sight of this room. So you've got to get Just up there. Staring at it. I can see it. Open it's the door, right flame in, and you're good. You are... There are five gene stealers behind you. Your Bolter guys are still doing the, the whole Overwatch thing and not, not able to, to really get there and help, just try and clear a couple of the ones out of the way. You ended up being one command point or one action away from victory that turn. Yeah, so, and the way this plays out is a Space Brain player picks a little number out of a bag and that number is the number of extra actions he can use for his guys for that turn. Um, now, when you have the, the Sergeant on the board, you can basically throw that one away and pick a fresh one if you don't like it. Um, I needed like a few actions. I had I had the four actions from Flamer Guy to get to where he needed to go, and then I needed a couple of bonus ones to open the door and flame the room. I think you, um, I think you needed five extra ones. So you, you were just coming around the corner, so it was quite a few. I think it was five, and I you pulled. pulled. I pulled a one. I, that was not five. That was significantly less than five, and I was now no longer getting anywhere close to that door. No. This, was that the following? This was, that was the following. So this one, you basically, you had enough command points to get you all the way to the door, open the door, and then you're one short of flaming that room because to, to flame, to fire the flamer is two command points or two actions. Yeah. Um, so quickly realized it couldn't be done. So instead, what we're going to do is get this flamer guy around the corner, turn around and fire back at the crossroads that you've just come through to try and keep these five gene stealers away. The downside from here is it takes one command point for a Terminator to turn 90 degrees. So now he's turned all the way around. He now has to take at least two command points to turn around one to open the door um and then and you were a couple of spots away a couple as well of squares away so i still need a couple of um command points to to actually be able to complete the mission at this point in time which is the time i you know brilliantly draw one out of the bag and swear <laughs> um 
and, and we tried to keep the poker face happening at this point in time and be like, oh, I could just be saving these to the last possible minute and just, uh, you know, let you taste victory and then wrench it out of your grasp. But no, it turns out I, I had nothing. Yeah, it was just, oh, you were so close. Because, yeah, these five gene stealers, I tried to get through the fire with a couple of them and they just weren't getting there. Was, uh, there was no was ones on that side. Um, so it was just, it was to, I, I had to let you have another turn. And then, yeah, you needed something like three extra command points and pulled the one. So yeah. you got you got up to the door, this... Um, Managed to flame the, the the corridor again, so you're down to like two, I think, something yeah, like. Yeah, I didn't yeah. didn't have many left. Um, and I managed to rip apart Brother Pedro at the back, so now you're down to two Marines. Yeah. And the, the way this looked again, just to to give you a sense of the the cinematic, I had two Marines in in the corridor now so they're in the same corridor literally staring at the the room that we need to get to 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 win the game i've got mr flamer guy um staring at at the wall he needs to go forward open the door flame that room and his little little friend literally covering his back facing the horde of genes dealers running (laughs) at them um (laughs) just hoping to hold them off for long enough. Um, so there was this sort of last stand, you know, sacrifice moment as well that happened right at the end. Um, and this was right after the the gene stealers got a little bit wild, um, you know, worried that their, you know, egg brood was going to get flamed. Um, and, and just started legging it through the fire. To, to in, a, in a you know desperate attempt and like three of them, I reckon it was three or four of them got nuked on the way through before you realised that you were running low on gene stealers if you kept going, and we weren't rolling a lot of ones. Um, I charged a few through because I figured okay you need you needed to draw a three or more on like turn eight to be able to win, so I had to I had to try, but the I think I ran it was either two or three. And I had, yeah, I think I had two on one side where they only needed to step through two squares of the flames to get to you. Um, but still, I was not rolling ones. I don't think they, they got even one square in. They just evaporated. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, turn nine, turn around, open, you know, door was, I think, open by that stage and flame into the room, and the Marines are successful. Now, I think I said to you before the game that from memory, this was, you know, the introductory level or mission and should be fairly straightforward for the Space Marines to win. It didn't seem like it went that way. (laughs) It seemed very... um... I kept trying to work out whether that was my... Uh, you know, lack of familiarity with the game or some, you know, decisions you made. I, I'm playing through it going on. I'm not sure what else I could have, would have done. Um, much yeah, different. look, I, I was watching you and your moves and at the same time I was thinking about what I would do at the same in the same scenario. 
And it was only like one or two instances where I, I thought to myself, no, nah, I probably would have gone on Overwatch there or put that sergeant on guard or something like that. Generally, like you were doing exactly what I would have done, especially when you were down to the two with that, that constant flaming and move a couple of squares. Like that's really the only thing you could have done. Yeah. There wasn't much choice. Um, but I think the, the interesting piece then happens is, you know, the, the missions and um, and how they escalate from there because clearly they get bigger, they get a little bit more complicated, there's bigger mm-hmm. maps, there's more turns, there's more corners, there's more decisions. Um, so suddenly how how you play it gets more and more important you know, there's more decisions, so there's more ways to get it wrong or to, you know, have to backtrack or rethink, um, you know, what you were planning to do on the fly. So it would be interesting to see how, from memory, I remember anecdotally people saying that once you get past the first couple, it gets really tricky for the Marines. Like, um and I can't comment firsthand. Um, I'm pretty curious to find out now, um, but it would be curious to see, yeah, once when, you get past the first sort of couple of missions, whether that, you know, balance of power swings at all, um, whether it gets harder, whether it gets easier for one or the other. Um, but I don't think it really matters because, and the cool thing about this is, right, it only takes one bullet to, to nuke a Jane Steeler. It only takes one round of lost combat to murder a Marine. So it doesn't really matter how well you've laid these plans. Um, it just takes one, um, you know, lucky turn or some extra actions or something that you didn't quite see to happen. And that almost happened in this game. So when you reveal your blip... As a gene stealer player, right? If it's got multiple gene stealers in it, you put one down on the the square that had the blip counter, and then you put one down on an adjacent square. And what that can mean is you actually start putting your gene stealers closer to the marines than they were than the blip was, which means there's more of a chance that they can reach them. Mm-hmm. So you can actually use that um, pretty tactically to get an extra square of movement out of guys. Yeah, sure, they, they might get shot at, um, but that's that's kind of what Marines do. Um, but it gives you that extra extra chance or that extra way to catch the Marine player a little bit unawares. Um, so, you know, those kind of things are, are going to trip you out more and more the, the more complex the board layout is too. Like the – I had a quick look ahead. I mean, the second mission you have – five marines the board is probably double the size of the one from the first mission and your five marines are all scattered in different rooms so you've got every marine is by himself gene stealer has a limited number of blips that they have but pretty much the space marine has got to wipe out those gene stealers or basically cut off their entry points um then there's you know there's a mission later on where you've got to rescue like a basically a little robot on you know treads that that keeps wandering around and you've got to he's got the information you've got to grab him and take him to the exit point there's there's so many different 
variations and, and ideas for scenarios that you can play. It's not just, you know, here's five Marines in a conga line. Um, yeah. yeah, the Which, options are there. And, and let, let's be real. The, the, um, the added benefit of the, the mission that we played was the random ability just to yell conga um, <laughs> at any given time. Um, but yeah, the second you've got to start splitting up into smaller sort of little fire teams or something, or, you know, you are scattered at the start. So, you know, it's an every man for himself kind of deal. And do you then choose to try and regroup somewhere or do you try and, you know, if there are multiple objectives and from memory there are in that one where you've got to get to multiple places, how do you split the Marines up and how do you start allocating who goes where? Um, based on weapons or, you know, that kind of stuff as well. So, look, the replayability is there. The, and the thing, out of everything, um, and, and the only reason I didn't comment earlier on, you know, whether it was worth the hype is because I haven't played more than the first one. But what the, the first mission really did show me is how much I would like to play more than the first one. Um, the big thing that space hulk has that i find particularly appealing in games um is a sense of tension um and this can this translates to to war games um and sort of tabletop games as well um in that the ones that i enjoy the most or the the crews armies factions that i enjoy playing the most are the kind of high risk high reward um armies, crews, factions, builds, where you kind of, you know, have, uh, there's that tension throughout the whole thing. So you're playing with your sphincter clenched the entire time because if this works, you are going to murder beast things. But there is every risk that the, you know, the fragile balance of power that you're currently holding could get shattered at any moment. Um, and every single decision or dice roll or card flip can change that. Um, and you have to be able to, to manage and mitigate and react to that. And this game really has that sense of tension where at any turn, something could go absolutely pear-shaped and that blip that you were really hoping was one chance dealer is three and now they're a square closer and, oh, and he's eating your face. Um, so it really gives that that tension. It really gives a sense of cinema um, and, you know, it probably helps that we've all seen the Alien films and those kind of... Any film of that nature where there's that, that moment of knowing something's there um, but not knowing where or how much or how big or how scary it is. It's, it's, it, this game lends that. You sort of you, you get that memory or feeling back each time. Um, so that's kind of the, the cool piece. Um, not to mention, as I said, bloody amazing. I think these are some of the first single pose models that G-Dub did. Um, that weren't kind of, you know, your static spearmen. Um, and they're just, they're bloody nice. Um, so it's a win all round, moral of the story. Look, I, I have so many good memories of playing Space Hulk as a kid with, you know, with my friends, with my brother. Um, I am more than happy to keep going and seeing how far we can get into these missions and seeing 
how the the power balance seps and flows between between the gene stealers and the marines what you said about the models i love the models like each terminator looks different which you know for compare well you know the other thing i like to do is to be, compare the models from the 2009 version to the ones from the 1989 version and they're very different technology um and and artistry and a lot of things have changed in that time let's not <laughs> undervalue the the original models and what they were for their time oh look they were great i love them in the time but like even you know 2009 that's 11 years ago these terminator models they're still better than some of the stuff that they're putting out these days Gene Steeler models. You've got Gene Steelers that, that are coming out out of the floor. You've got Gene Steelers hanging from the ceiling, hanging from the walls. Your normal forearm Gene Steelers running down the corridor. Um, so much variety in the models for a game which is basically, you know, five of one versus a lot and of the other. Let's be honest. The game would work just as well with a bunch of maples. Um <laughs> It legitimately would not make a difference, but it is that production value that takes it really takes it up a notch. Um, even to the point that you know the the artwork on the board tiles and stuff like that, which I think we all take for granted, you know, in this day and age, um, it was you know top of the class for you know eleven years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Look. Space Hulk, really enjoyable game, really good. If you can get your hands on it, that's probably the only negative is you need to find somebody who has this game because it's probably not going to be cheap to get your hands on a copy. Yeah, look, you're not going down to the local Target and picking one up. Um, And the other downside to that is a lot of the people who own it even if they don't play it, they probably know what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, and so th- there's, there is the downside flat out. I mean, it was really poor just, you know, understanding of demand when, when they released it. Um, and it's not the first time that GW has been caught out going, Oh, we think we'll need seven. Oh, we need 300. <laughs> Someone didn't carry a one. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's that's probably the only downside. Yeah. So I'd like to get more into it to see what the how the balance of power and, you know, the degree of difficulty goes and whether it gets to a stage where it's impossible for one side to win or the other um, or it feels that way. But right now, keen as a bean. Excellent. Cool. That is Space Hulk. Hope you enjoyed it hope you got something out of that um before we sign off shall we talk about what's on um are there any painting competitions or anything on jace it really depends what you mean by painting competition because i'm concerned that the term painting all right so let's let's worry about what everyone else is doing before we get onto us So uh, there are a few few different bits and pieces uh, going on at the moment. Um, 
off the top of my head because I have once again completely underprepared for this. So Throw the Dice have their sprue challenge running at the moment. Um, so the concept of that is you need to make something and it needs to incorporate in some way, shape or form the sprue. Um, so the leftover bits of plastic um, from whatever model kits you have laying around or, or decided to use. So it, it's trying to use that as a scratch building element um, in whatever it is that you submit into that. And, you know, basically it will get judged on cool factor creativity and, and how it looks. Um, so that's uh, an ongoing thing that, that Rich is running um, at Throw the Dice. Check the, the Throw the Dice Facebook page for more information than that. Um, I still am umming and ahhing about what I'm going to do. I better do something, but I'm not sure what it is yet. This is a problem. Um, but I have seen some some cool stuff getting started by some people. And, and it's cool just to see people make stuff, A, from scratch. And, you know, for a material go from looking like what we all know um, as the, you know, excess stuff that keeps our models safe before we assemble them to something that looks nothing like that at all. Um, and is something that is, you know, either usable in game or, you know, looks cool on the shelf. Um, so that's the first one. What else is going on? GW or Warhammer, whatever they're known as, Games Workshop have in Geelong have their paint a magic user or a painted psyker. Uh, competition now that is still running you do have until 9 p.m on the 9th of october so heaps of time heaps of time uh, depending on when you're listening to this of course so if you're listening on the 10th then sorry go back in time people like can be done i've seen movies it's fine yeah um so yeah definitely get if you get a chance in it's literally go into the store buy some kind of wizard, psyker, magic user, um, you know, practitioner of the arcane and paint them up, take it back into the store. Brad will tell you who did the best. Um, but again, I've seen a couple of people starting to bust out some, some works in progress for that. I think there's going to be some pretty cool entries. I saw some, their last one, which was their conversion challenge. Um, there were some pretty cool entries for that. Um, again, ha- have to shout out anyone who can be bothered putting LEDs into models. Um, I would electrocute myself. I, I don't care how much ampage or wattage the battery has. or what, I would literally, you know, explode my house um, and cut off both my fingers and it wouldn't work anyway. So, that corn chariot, man, what he did, that was sick. Oh, insane. I love it. There's a whole fucking army of those dudes with light up bits. Mm-hmm. Like, stop it. It's cool. Um, but yeah, no, there, there were some pretty cool entries to, to that whole um, comp for their conversion challenge. There'll be more cool ones to this one, but yeah, can recommend. Get on board. Um, and the good thing is, if you do that, you could probably also put whatever you paint in, you could pledge that and put that into another hobby challenge that we may or may not talk about in the not too distant future. Correct. Um, the last one I can think about, uh, I can think of, is the Hobby Homies Terrain Tournament. Yeah, uh, Hobby Homies. Yes. You mean you mean 
TCG Junior. Yeah. 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 You're, you're, you're second favourite podcast, people. Um, <laughs> so, the guy, so, um, and I'm a big one for terrain. I, I, I like me some terrain. Um, I, I feel that I can get amongst it. It, it excites me in all the right ways. Um, but the, the premise is, and again, there's no rights or wrongs. Get some terrain. Do a thing, whether it's scratch build, whether it's paint some, or you know, pre-done ones, or MDF, or three D printed, or um, a popsicle stick fucking bridge, um, or some of the actual you know company made terrain that you get, um, which there is more and more of, and it's all fucking glorious. Um, paint some of that, throw it in, give them give them a photo of it unpainted or unassembled, or if you're scratch building stuff, give them a photo of the, the products you will use. Um, and then when it's finished, send them a photo of that too. And again, they, they've got a, a very professional set of criteria on creativity and other things that they will have a panel of judges assess each uh, entry on um, and probably provide you know constructive feedback uh, to anyone interested having terrain is really good for playing games. I cannot stress that enough. Um, so thoroughly encourage you to a listen to those guys because they do me an amusement very regularly when I'm not watching how to videos on Patreon um, while I'm painting. That is the other thing that I am, I'm listening to. Um, Absolutely. I mean, honestly, the, the Hobby Homies guys, their podcast is awesome. It's just so much fun to listen to. Um, I'm really trying to give them the podcast equivalent of a reach around at the moment because what they do, they do so well. And if you can get on board with with their with their Discord or with their, even just on their Facebook and get involved in this terrain competition, look, you won't regret it. The nicest I, lot, bunch of guys. Yeah, look, and let's be clear, if it wasn't for COVID and all the restrictions and everything and having to, to deal with all of the, the personal protective equipment, I'd be giving them an actual reach around. But um, I react badly to latex and, you know, it doesn't work. Um, anyway, so <laughs> terrain, is, terrain is a thing. Firstly, just get some because it's good. Um, and secondly, you might as well do it for this. They've got like, I think it's still the end of November to, yes. to get stuff involved in that. Um, again, I have a number of plans, many of which won't come to fruition. So I need to work out what I'm doing for that. Um, and are there any others before we get on to the, the grand finale? I don't believe so. But if there are, if there's anything that we've missed, just shoot us through a message on the Facebook page or wherever, uh, wherever you find us. I don't even know where we are. We're on Spotify. We're on, are we on iTunes? I believe oh, yeah, we should be on iTunes. Like I, I, I submitted to a lot of different places. Um, we now have our, our dedicated Pornhub channel. Um, Patent pending. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, if you yeah, if you want us to speak something, if you're running an event and you would like us to um, you know advertise to the three people that listen to this, um, firstly, Brett and I already listen to this, and you'll tell us directly. So that's two. Um, but we'll tell the other guy. Um, so 
more than happy. Just reach out, Facebook, whatever. Um, and we will probably say whatever you want for absolutely nothing in return. Correct. And even, yeah, also if you have any comments, any any questions for us, any comments, by all means, just feel free to post it and we will have a chat about it next podcast. Yeah, and we'll probably respond in the interim. We're, we're good like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, if, you've, if there's games that you'd like to see played, preferably by us because that's that's how we do it. Um, I ask that if, you know, there's, there's stuff that we've said um, that you disagree with, tell us, um, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Um, you know, but no, 100%, if, if, ask questions, suggest things, tell us how to get better, um, and we may even listen. I mean, the obvious answer to that is, you know, how do we get better is stop talking. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please stop putting episodes up. Um, I don't know why. Like Spotify keeps on playing it for me. I don't want it. I keep telling it no. I can't find the off button. Yeah, look, appreciate any all the support that we've been we've been getting. The the numbers of um, listens have been jumping up substantially recently and so if you are still listening after what are we maybe two hours of this um props to you yep go you. you yeah get, get yourself a beer you deserve it um the other one is speaking of you know unprecedented and unexpected support um uh, is the entries that we're seeing for the tcg hobby challenge um i've seen What's more that? I've seen more pledges as at today, which is surprising. So, um, yeah, apparently there's this hobby challenge competition thing. Never heard of it. Uh, no, look, it's probably not even worth talking about. Probably not. But yeah, the pictures that we are getting, uh, they've all been so incredible. Like really, really impressive stuff. Put my, um, my stuff to shame. Just keep keep giving us pictures. We want to see all the progress, all of the progress. More, 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 more. Yeah, as and it's, it's so varied between, you know, um, busts, single models, whole armies, terrain, like all kinds of stuff is getting thrown in the mix, and we really don't mind what it is. Um, so that's it, it's super humbling to see just the amount that people are getting involved in and in, in doing things. Um, it's also really impressive to see how much progress people are making. Like I, I've seen pledges that people made that they're pretty much done with. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I'm okay with stretch goals, people. If you want to push yourself a little bit further, knock your good selves out. But, um, well, you know, the other one I saw today was... Um, I haven't started my pledge, but here's the other army I painted before that. <laughs> um, I've just finished. Um, you know, so that kind of craziness is, it's mental. Um, and I'm so pumped to see a lot of these projects just kind of come alive over the, over the course of the next month as well. So super keen to hear more about that, to, to, to see more of what people are doing. Um, what's the date? Look, there might still be time for you to get involved. Nah, look, you can still get involved. I don't even care. Um, the theory is that you had to pledge before the 1st of October and then you had until the the end of October to get it done. Um, 
By the I time would, you listen to this, it'll be October. Yeah, I would still thoroughly... In fact, we're eight thoroughly. minutes away. <laughs> I can edit pretty quickly or just badly. Um, <laughs> I would still thoroughly encourage anyone who wanted to to push themselves, to encourage themselves to get something done. It's a deadline, right? Just throw it up and say, hey, I'm painting this and join in. I, you know, dive right in. I think, you know, for for the purposes of allocating any of the the very, um, you know, illustrious things that we have, we'll probably have to draw a line in the sand somewhere. Um, But just to gain momentum, to encourage yourself to, to, you know, get involved, knock your good cells out, throw what you're painting in, show us your progress, show us when you get it done. But it will get it done. I'm not putting up with this half-assed, oh, I didn't get it finished garbage by the end of October. Pull your fingers out. Um, uh, he says, looking at the stuff he's got to get painted. Uh, I, on the other hand, if you don't finish what you want, what you wanted to, show us what you did, Luke. Yeah. The, yeah, idea, yeah. the idea about this is it was never, this one is the best painted, therefore we praise this above all others the idea is just to get some hobby in you know if you're making progress then you're winning hashtag winning hashtag chicken dinner yeah tiger blood probably the coolest thing i've seen out of this is a few people that i haven't seen any hobby from for quite a while now because you know life throws curveballs or children um or children as curveballs yeah and (laughs) You know, hobby is one of those things that it's an easy thing to to give up um, or sacrifice when you know there are other priorities. It's it's not essential. Um, so it's really good to see some of these people just you know pick up a paintbrush or a model or something for the for the first time in a while and just give themselves a little bit of space to do something for them. Um, it it's super cool to sort of you know reconnect. And, you know, get back to that thing that we all kind of really like doing. So that's been really good to see as well. That's it. All right. I think we've talked about ourselves long enough. We have. Yeah. Well, I could go again, but, you know. I'm sure we could, but, you know, there's, there's a certain limit that everybody will tune out by. It's called bandwidth. Um, <laughs> Probably the two-minute mark. Anywho, thanks for listening. We are TCG. I'm Brett. He's Jace. Thank you so much for your efforts in our little shindig comp thing that we've got going. And thank you for listening. Cheers, all. Laters. Animal, animal.